Hello and welcome to this episode of the Austin DeLorme Show. Uh, I'm your host, Austin DeLorme. We have a very special guest with us today to talk about some things unfolding in Monroe County, especially when it comes to uh, the Republican race for the new county chair. A lot of things have been developing within the last couple of weeks, and we have a new competitor. But before we get to that, I'd like to introduce my guest, Patrick Riley. Pat, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, hello, Austin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so just for run-of-the-mill voter or Republican voter that doesn't really know much about politics, so could you describe a little bit about um, the county chair race, what that position holds, but then also who you are and why you want to run for that race? Absolutely. Um, I'll start a little background on myself. So I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I'm actually from New York City and just outside New York City and moved up to the Rochester area about 25 years ago. Uh, my wife and I and our four children now live in Brighton, um, just outside the city. And we have really enjoyed living in this community. I've, I've gotten this love for Monroe County that I think, well, at least personally, uh, my thoughts about that are, you know, I love this place in a way that only someone who didn't grow up here could, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I've lived in so many other areas and been able to just really, um, really appreciate how special yeah. this region is, how beautiful it is, um, how many of, well, where I, even things like where I grew up with, you know, traffic and overcrowding and all those things. And we really have an absence of that up here. I chuckle when I hear people talk about traffic <laughs> around here. Yeah. Um, but no commute times to work and, mm-hmm. and those types of things. It's, it's just a... It's a slower-paced lifestyle. Yeah. It is. And people are just inherently more friendly. There's a sort of Midwestern vibe. Yeah. Um, while and still upstate, being yeah. in, in the state of New York. So it's it's been great. Um, in Brighton, I am the, the leader of the Brighton Town Republican Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to, you know, circle back to your initial question on the, on the county race. So basically the county, Monroe County Republican Committee is the, um, is the organization that conducts the, the business of the party in this area. So we, through various means, we determine who the candidates are. Um, we support the elections for those candidates. We have our own sort of infrastructure and organizational structure, and that's based on town committees and the city of Rochester, which for the Republicans, there's only one committee in the city. Um, so there's 20 of those town and city committees and village, the village of East mm-hmm. Rochester, et cetera. Um, the members of all those committees combined are the county committee. Okay. And every two years under New York state election law, we need to come together and hold a, what they call a reorganizational meeting. Mm-hmm. So it's like a mini convention and each one of the voting delegates then gets to show up to this convention and decide who the next chairman of the party will be, who the new secretary will be, and who the new treasurer will be. Um, We do this in odd years for the Republican Party in Monroe County. It's the same year that in order to get on the committee, you actually have to pass petitions. And not a a lot of people know this. So you actually have to pass a petition in your own election district. That's signed by a voter. Voters. Voters, um, yeah. Equal to 5% of the number of 
Republicans that live in your election district. Okay. So for a lot of people, this is five, six, seven signatures. Yeah. Um, in order to get on the committee. So then, since this is that year, those people who passed in in February um, was petition passing season. Those people who passed the petition to get themselves on the committee will have a vote at the convention in September, mm-hmm. uh, most likely September. Um, by New York State election law, it needs to happen between September 17th and October 6th. Okay, so there's That's, a window. <clears throat> there's a window. Okay. That, that you need to do it in. So that's very good. So that's why it's very important as Republican voters that we make sure that we're well aware and knowing what is happening within the party because it really is all the way at the bottom affects all the way at the top. The people at the bottom will be affecting leadership. So that kind of wanted me to go to this one point that I wanted to bring up for you. So there's now four people in this race, you mm-hmm. and three others. Um, do you find it hard to connect with certain groups or demographics of people within the county, seeing that there's such a wide variety of people to pick from? Or do you find that there's a unifying message that you're trying to give to the committee? Yeah, so there's some of both. Um, It's a pretty big county. Mm -hmm. So you've got areas that are on the more conservative side of the spectrum. And then, you know, parts of the county, Brighton Mm -hmm. probably is a a good example, that are more moderate in in their points of view. Um, and that somewhat, not entirely, but somewhat is a west side, east side sort of phenomenon. Yeah. The west side of the county has typically been more conservative, both in, both in the voters but also in the elected officials, than the east side. Now there's exceptions to that rule yeah. Um, Webster, for example, is still an extremely Republican town. But um, Brighton, Penfield, um, Parrington, those have typically become more moderate um, suburbs. And, of course, the city is an extremely Democrat or area. blue area, yeah. um, at least the way they vote. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about, you know, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be more agreement in the city with Republican principles, but we haven't reached out to them. They don't trust us because we don't show up. You know, they may just vote Democrat because that's what they're used to doing. That's what their parents did, et cetera. So I think there's some opportunity there for us as a party to bring new people in under under the tent, right? Everyone mm-hmm. talks about that big tent. Um, as, as you're doing this, both running for chairman, but also probably more importantly, acting as the chairman, what's important is that you actually give a voice to all of those people. Exactly. Um, and that you have open dialogue, and then you find the commonality. Of course, we're all Republicans, so therefore there's some basic... Principles. Principles, yeah. exactly, that we all tend to agree upon. Um, and then maybe things, you know, what issues we should run on, we should focus on this or focus on that. There may be more disagreements there. But generally speaking... Um, we share those principles, as you say, and that's what brings us together. And if we focus on what brings us together, I think we'll do a lot better than if we focus on the maybe 10, 15% of things that we disagree yeah. on. So, so I like that you brought that up because I feel like um, a lot of people that I've talked to about this race, that are committee people, say that right now they feel like there's a disconnect between leadership and each committee and trying to really have that grassroots organizing when it comes to the smallest of town 
board campaigns all the way up to state senate campaigns or state assembly campaigns. So as chair, I, I know you talked about trying to make sure that we listen to everybody and bringing everybody in together into the big tent, but is there a, a more specific strategy other than communication that builds bridges between each committee and ultimately builds the committee to a stronger place? Um, yeah, and I think there is. And I think, you know, in all fairness, I think politics has changed in America. And I yeah. think the Republican Party has changed. And I think that the Monroe County Republican Party or Republican Committee um, needs to make some changes. And I mm-hmm. think if we look back to the way the founders envisioned all of this working, that you will see that they envisioned a structure from the bottom up. For many years, especially when this was a very Republican um, county and we had control of the county executive and the county legislature and almost all Mm -hmm. the town supervisors and et cetera, I think what happened is we got into a very top-down structure in how we just operated both in making decisions but also how how we went about the business of running our campaigns. We had, you know, at that time in the heyday, if you will, we had a big staff of people that worked, um, you know, at the county legislature in the county government that, that were Republicans and involved in the committee. And we also had a pretty good sized staff at the Republican headquarters, right? And we had our, um, down on exchange street, we had our headquarters and a staff of six or eight or, you know, people running around and running the party. And those times are really behind us. And if we look to the principles that Abraham Lincoln wanted to impose, um, it was basically a bottom up. And I think that would fit very well into Monroe County. So the idea of this is, and some people will call it a precinct strategy. Yeah. Right. So the idea there and precinct in New York State basically aligns with an election district. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you've got this opportunity to make a point someone, whatever you call them, um, chief political officer for their neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And they're out and they're making one-on-one contact with voters. And they know um, not just the Republicans in their neighborhood, but also who the, the non-affiliated voters are and the Democrats are. And they're able to actually make that one-on-one contact and really get feedback from them on what's going on in their, their part of the community what issues are on their mind, what they would like to um, see done differently. And then that feedback goes into this district leader, let's call it, for whatever we want to call this. And this existed years ago in Monroe County. But get back to that and really have this bottom up. And then you've got these district leaders that then inform the town committee. And then you have town committees that inform the the county committee. So you've got that flow of feedback from the voters, but also when it comes to elections, you've got those one-on-one relationships to really talk to voters about what it is we're trying to accomplish. And I think that's one of the most important things in politics, not just for Republicans, but for any political party is making sure that your constituents are heard. Because if you have a constituency that feels like they're always being ignored or they're not being heard about their concerns, then it's really hard to be able to recruit those people into the party. And um, I forgot to say this at the outset, but this podcast is independent of um, the Monroe County Teen Republicans because I'm the chair. So anything that I say here is independent of that organization. But even um, 
when I've talked to uh, the vice chair of the teen Republicans in Monroe County, initially he said in his opening press release that he wanted a big tent Republican Party again. And like you've kind of alluded to, we've strayed so far from the day of inclusivity and making sure that all voices are heard to now this very much, this is how it is because we like how it is. And it's not really representative of modern day politics. So I I guess when it comes to specifically uh, like groups in the Mm -hmm. county, like we have the teen Republicans, we have the women Republicans, young Republicans. Now, what role do you see um, those groups? Like, how do you, I, I guess, how do you see those groups being utilized in future elections? Because it feels like there's a large yearning to get involved, mm-hmm. but there's not necessarily, again, that bridge of communication between committee and individualized groups to get involved. Right. So all of these groups are extremely important and they all can represent parts of our constituency, if you will, that actually that we need to bring more people into the Republican Party from those various groups. So there's a a few of them, right? So the problem with the Republicans, we've got this image that people have that don't know much about us. They have this image that it's a bunch of old white men, Mm -hmm. right? And we have not done enough to outreach and take the teen Republicans, for example, and then the young Republicans, um, to do outreach to youth. And the Democrat Party has been doing extremely well with this yeah. um, for years. And they have specific strategies. Even at the national level, the Republican National Committee it does not have a strategy. And so it's not like they're trying and failing. They're not, they're not really trying. trying. I think it's one of the reasons you see Vivek um, Ramaswamy yeah. getting so much attention with younger voters because he does have that outreach mechanism, much of which through social media, mm-hmm. um, a lot on TikTok, right? And you don't see a lot of Republican on, political candidates <laughs> on, on TikTok, on TikTok or, yeah. right? But he is, and he's tapping into something there um, that if we embrace that as a party, I think we do a lot better. It's the same with uh, the women Republicans who have statewide have been very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Federation of Republican Women, as they call themselves, they... And But there's more opportunities there. We still don't have enough female candidates that are running in the party. Um, we don't necessarily go out of our way to recruit them in. And I think we'd be, be better off if we did. In addition to the groups you mentioned, we also now have a Hispanic Republican caucus here mm-hmm. in Monroe County. Um, Orlando Rivera is doing a lot of great work there. Great guy, yeah. Yes. And they, they've... The Hispanic community is one I think we learned both through um, Donald Trump's previous elections, but also more recently with Lee Zeldin is very interested in hearing more about what the Republican Party has to say and agrees with a lot of our core values. Exactly. And the same now, most recently, there is a... um, uh, African-American Republican community in the city of Rochester, a group that's been put together that also is doing those same things. And again, when you look at the numbers that Trump brought through, but also um, that Lee Zeldin did, particularly around the New York City area, you see a real opportunity for our party to reach out, explain what we're about, and have a lot more people join us and 
fixing this place. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing that's happening right now is there is a large cultural shift, not just within the county, but within New York and within the country. And when it comes to young people specifically, I, I'm forgetting the poll off, off the top of my head, but they were doing polling of um, high school men or mm-hmm. high school boys and trying to see uh, where their head was at when it comes to politics. And over the last few years, it's been very, very democratic, very liberal. And we're seeing it's now becoming more Mm 50-50. There's this large shift from when the pendulum went to the left now towards the middle, and they're saying eventually to the right. So I think that having that outreach on the most local level, at a county level, and making sure that we get more young people involved, but also to run for office, Mm -hmm. it's an un... It's it's one of those opportunities that's not being explored. And as soon as we start making these changes, I mean, just to me as a young person, I see there's so much outreach from the Democrat Party. But that's a special thing about a group like the teen Republicans and young Republicans. But teen Republicans specifically, there's no teen Democrats of Monroe County. This is is the territory that we can start to make ground in. Um, But... It's only going to happen if the party wants to listen to us and wants to have that outreach, which I think is so important about uh, you as a candidate. You've talked about when I've been to committee meetings and listened that, like what we just talked about, the women Republicans, very, very much important to us winning these elections in the electorate with the young Republicans and the teen Republicans. So is there any other groups uh, other than young people or women or Hispanics that you want to try to tap into to have this larger effect of pulling people in. Yeah, and certainly that's true in the Asian American community. Certainly it's true in religious communities mm-hmm. um, where there's a big opportunity for us to, to bring folks back into the party. I think, you know, when I think about all this, it... You know, you see the trends um, in the way people answer polls, but we have not in Monroe County seen people um, that uptick in in voter registration in in our party um, or coming out and joining committees, right? Our town committees um, or the city committee, et cetera, uh, the county committee. And we see our overall numbers continuing to decline, in this county on all those fronts. I think the opportunity is there, but the the trap is that we think this is something that's happening rather than something that we're doing, right? Yeah. We need to go out and do it. And that's why I get so excited about um, the teen Republican organization here and all the other groups that we talked about is because we have to actually make it happen. And it was like the the red wave, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone thought a red wave was happening. Yeah. It wasn't happening. (laughs) You had to do it, right? It had to be something we were doing. And we didn't do enough of that here, at least locally, Mm -hmm. um, to take advantage of that. And we just don't have enough people on our committees. And quite frankly, last year, now I got to rerun the numbers, but last year only 75% only 25%. So 75% of the of the available positions on our county committee were all vacant. Really? Since then, since we did petitions again this year, yeah. we lost another 124, I think is the number, but right about there. Another 124 committee folks, people who were on the committee last year but didn't actually 
pass a petition this year. And that's a net number because we actually had new people join yeah. and pass petitions that weren't on previously. So, but we net lost 124. And, you know, the same phenomenon is true with regards to um, voter registration. You know, I, I sit in so many conversations and with other people in, involved um, yeah. in the party, strategizing for campaigns, et cetera. And they sit around and they complain about voter registration declines for Republicans. Or, mm-hmm. And there's now more Democrats than Republicans in this area. And if you go back 20 years ago, it was more Republicans, yeah. et cetera. But they take it as if it's inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. That it's just the way it is. And unfortunately, if you look at someone, you know, a lot of the reason that that is happening is because we do absolutely nothing to register new voters into the party. And if you look at someone like a Scott Pressler, who is out there all going all across the country doing voter registration drives, and you can see the actual results of his actions. It actually works. Now, yeah. it is work, but if you t- if you if do the work, you will get the happen. results. Yeah. That's right. And I think, because you saying that reminded me of um, 2020 when I was door knocking. Um, I knocked on the door, and there was an immigrant family that just recently got naturalized, and they were registered Democrats, and so we were explaining to them about our candidate, and they go, oh, that, well, we really agree with everything that you're saying, and I go... Well, then may, if I just may ask, then why are you registered a Democrat? And they go, well, when we came, we were told that Democrats were for democracy. And so that's the reason that pushed us. And it's it's something as simple as, and it's not even just immigrants, but the large swath of the electorate is uneducated on many things that aren't necessarily involved in town committees or stuff like that. And they see topical issues and topical things that are happening, like gas prices. Mm-hmm. Everybody's affected by gas prices, so they see that. Or, But they necessarily don't see the deeper layers of things that are happening and the decisions that are being made that really do affect everybody when it comes to taxes or when it comes to crime in their neighborhoods. Necessarily, they may not see it, mm-hmm. but two or three towns away, it could be a huge issue. And it's all about that outreach. So... One of the things I did want to talk about was certain specific issues that are happening in the county. I mean, we've seen in the city of Rochester most recently a huge uptick in crime, especially when it comes to carjackings, car thefts, um, and shootings. Mm -hmm. I mean, every single weekend we have multiple people shot, and it's concerning because there's a larger amount of young people that are now being involved in this violent crime. So if you were to assume the role as chairman... Um, in the party, what would you try to do to tackle that issue and pressure the party and candidates to tackle that issue locally? Yep. So the first thing you need to do is start connecting the dots for people and making sure that people understand what were the policy decisions we made that have led to the consequences we're seeing. And I think you can break those up into several areas. Um, One is certainly the state policies we've enacted in Albany. We've got Democrat one-party rule in Albany and the, the basically the far left of the Democrat Party pushed through a series of social justice measures that are now 
really taking a toll on this community and the people who live in it. Um, we have a revolving door with regards to crime. We, we don't allow judges to use dangerousness as a standard as they're evaluating whether to release or um, hold on to um, someone who's been arrested. And those state policies all have to be revisited, and we, we've, we've got to fix it. We made this mess. Yeah. We've got to fix that mess. At the local level, there's also things that we should be doing and we need to champion. And a lot of times we don't champion them just because we don't know. So if you talk to folks, and I have the great privilege to be able to talk to folks who are work in the, the family court system um, or in you know police chiefs and um, folks involved in law enforcement and the locust club etc um, but also then folks that are involved in probation etc and what you find if you look there are specific problems that at a local level we could take care of very quickly mm -hmm. um, one of which on the crime issue is that the monroe county juvenile detention center is frequently full there just aren't beds there. Yeah. Um, so folks have to be released just because there's nowhere to put them. And we furthermore are, have problems with alternatives to the detention center, forcing us to put people in the detention center that don't necessarily need to be there. Yeah. Um, alternative um, secure housing um, options that we used to have a lot more of and for some reason we got rid of. Um, something as basic as the fact that we don't have enough GPS monitoring devices for people we want to let out on probation. We just don't have them. This is an easy fix. There's plenty of money right now um, flying around the county because of all the ARPA money that came from the federal government, yeah. right? There's plenty of money around to solve these problems. Um, there won't be forever, but there is right now. And if people were just more aware, if we could get some more awareness on what the solutions to these problems are, I, I think you know, we can quickly enact that. And a lot of times, even our own um, folks in power in the Republican Party don't necessarily know what all these issues are. And that yeah. education is part of what what the party organization needs to be doing from committee folks to elected officials to candidates, especially with candidates who haven't yeah. don't have the experience yet. Why, what are those issues and why is it important that we make the decisions in how we run our government that, that we think they should make? No, I love that you brought that up because recently um, in the county legislature, they just passed a bill to increase the uh, number of law enforcement and suburbs of the city so mm -hmm. that we can have more of a presence with the increase of crime. But you're right. We do have this money that we're willing to spend. It's just sometimes it feels, even though we're making progress, it's not necessarily progress in the right place. It feels like we're going forward, but we're pushing the wrong box. Like we need to get A done, but we're addressing Z, which mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing, but it's just not what we need right now. And I think that with specifically leadership when it comes to leadership there's so much of a selective hands-on and hands-off approach within the county it's very much oh you need to do blah, blah 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 but you can do whatever because of whatever reason and it seems like it's an unfair system of management and that's also why i like that kind of system that you talked about before of a trickle up yep. effect not a trickle down because that trickle down ultimately is going to cause more issues and divisions from within the party. So just to uh, kind of wrap things up a little, um, 
the convention's going to be coming up probably September 21st. 21st is the tentative date, correct. Yes, tentative date. And what do you see on on that night, if it is the 21st, um, and you do become chair? What will you try to be telling the committee as one of your first objectives or goals when it comes to trying to rally the party back together? Yeah, so... The first thing is we have elections in November that we need to win. Mm -hmm. So we immediately need to start getting more resources, more people, more excitement and attention to Marcosini's race for county executive. This is of the utmost importance. Um, I think we've all seen recently Adam Bellow and trying to rule by, you know, talking to his political consultants rather than what's best for the community. And Mark has got fantastic experience. He's a great guy. He's doing this for all the right reasons. Not a career politician. Um, left his job at American Rock Salt yeah. in order to run for county executive. Job number one has to be getting uh, Mark across the finish line. And that involves resources, which include volunteers and getting volunteers, um, additional volunteers to his race, but also fundraising. Um, this party has been in uh, financial trouble for way too long. Um, we ran ourselves into big debt um, almost four years ago. Not even all, all of that debt is even paid off yet. And we just need to get past that and raise some money because, like it or not, yeah. we need money to run races. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's some friends in the state at the state level that I think you know, if we can show some basic competence, we can get to um, come into Monroe County and, and help us out. They know when they're running their statewide races, um, winning Monroe, Erie, and Onondaga yeah. County is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So they would like to see a strong Republican Party in, in Monroe County. Um, I know that for sure. So those races, but we also need to make sure that we maintain the majority on the county legislature. Yes. Right? Because if you're just the county executive and you don't have the legislature, it's hard to bring things through. We've, we're able to cobble together a majority Barely, for yeah. the last couple of years by having one of the Democrats caucus with us. But, you know, and that caused its own complications, but better than the alternative. Um, but we need a true majority, which means we need to net pick up a seat. Mm -hmm. in the county ledge. There's 29 um, races up. It's for a four-year term, so it's very important. So we got to do that. And we've got to, you know, flip a seat, whether it be um, Dr. Joe Carbone in Irondequoit or Ethan Green in Henrietta or Nancy Lewis, who's running in Pittsford, Dave Ferris, who's running in Gates and a little bit of the city. Um, or, you know, the seat that I'm running for in County Ledge mm -hmm. in Brighton, probably the toughest yeah. of that batch. But um, those are the contested races where we're in this, and we've got to get at least one, preferably two, um, of those to flip over. And then the judicial races that we've got. Yes, very important. If we've learned anything in the it, last 10 years, it's how important our judges are. Yeah. And especially the family court judges. With the mm -hmm. changes in New York State law, a lot more of those juvenile criminal cases are ending up in family court than criminal court. Um, and, you know, it's imperative that we have good, solid, fair judges in the family court system. And we've got two seats open this year. 
Um, and we've got both Christine DiMovazquez and Dandrea Ruhlman running for those. Dandrea is an incumbent, been a great family court judge for many years. And then we've got Christine DiMovazquez, who's been an attorney in the family court system for yeah. many 20 plus years. And really, two fantastic candidates. I think we'll do well there. And then we have two New York State Supreme Court um, seats open in our area this year. Um, and that one, you know, we should win both of those races. Yeah. Um, the Democrats don't even have anyone running. There's one name on the ballot, but it's actually this guy from Long Island. Um, and oh, really? so there's this weird thing in New York State election law. And unfortunately, so he was running, I want to it's either mayor in Suffolk County or maybe the Suffolk County executive. Um, he was running down there and unfortunately um, he had a stroke oh. and wasn't able to campaign. And, you know, we all pray and um, the of best course. for him and his family. But the Democrats wanted him to, to get him off the ballot, but it was too mm. late. So there is this loophole in New York state election law, whereas if they get him, got him on the ballot up here for a state Supreme Court judge, then they would be able to replace someone down off, on the yeah. island. So that's who's running for state Supreme Court judge on the Democrat side this time. Yeah. I don't even know his name, but um, it's not even someone, it's not even a real candidate. So we should do well in those two seats, thankfully. Yeah. So I think with a strong base of candidates this year, a strong leadership, hopefully coming up in September or October, um, with a new shift in focus of the party, new priorities, trying to focus, I think that Monroe County will be starting to shift to a better place, especially within the Republican Party, but overall as the electorate, as we try to improve the way of life for all of Monroe County and expanding overall New Yorkers, especially as we saw with Lee Zeldin with his huge uh, gains that he made within many parts of the state. But as soon as we start to get going with that and we start to move forward, we'll be able to make some gains. So, Pat Riley, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, coming on the Austin Delarm Show. Uh, it was absolutely my pleasure. I, uh, I love chatting with you, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Yes, thank you. Thank you.